If you want more from Dee and her sister and partner in crime, Rhonda, check out Switchblade Sisters Social Club, a true crime podcast where two sisters exploit their worst fears for your entertainment. You're welcome. This is the Wiener the Moon podcast, where we love all things empath, spiritual, witchy, unexplained, and spooky. Hosted by me, Dee Safie, co-founder of the Goddess Temple Twickenham, and joined by lots of special guests. Hi there, this is Dee from We Know the Moon. This is where we love all things empath, spiritual, witchy, unexplained, and spooky. So I am really excited because we've got our regular guest, Michelle Alderson. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Dee. Hi again. So, Michelle, you have your own design company, um, too, do. actually. Do you want to tell us your very exciting project? Well, I noticed along the way while I was drawing my own things, my own illustrated items, that actually I, more and more of what I was creating was moving towards a witchy pagan theme. So what I've done recently is moved them aside to a sister brand, which I've called after my two grandmas, my Nana Agnes and my Nana Odette. I've called my new branch, my new sister branch, Agnes Odette, in honour of them and in honour of all sisters. I love that. It feels especially special to me because I also have a grandmother Odette. Got so much in common, D. <laughs> I know, it's crazy, isn't it? It is. <laughs> but that is a sister branch of your original brand, Heartfelt Designs, which I will put the links in the show notes to both of them. Michelle is just absolutely amazing designer I've been working with her for years yeah we've just found more and more in common and you've been a, a very lovely regular guest on this podcast and we've got you for a couple episodes this season yes a new addition to the season is that if you are a patreon member you can watch all the episodes of season four on patreon if you want to see our reactions which are quite <laughs> often oh, ah. oh you want to see the lovely decor Yes, or, or yes. how our houses look and whatnot. <laughs> I'm like right up against the wall so no one can see my mess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find that on patreon.com forward slash we knew the moon. Uh, again, links in the show notes. So, Michelle, this week's topic. Yes. I have very openly said I have a little bit of a problem with deities and spirits and that I don't know where I stand on them and where I where my belief lies yet. You know, I'm open and very interested. Part of it is because I, I feel like I haven't experienced anything firsthand that would confirm and I struggle with having faith in things because I'm like that. Um, I do love my proven facts. So I'm not saying I'm a disbeliever. I'm just a little bit like agnostic in the way I am with most religious beliefs and that I just don't know. And it troubles my mind and my head. I have so many questions and no answers. But one way that I like to practice my spirituality is through nature. And I think you're the same in a lot of ways with that. We love our nature, yeah, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I've always been obsessed with nature and with animals. I have a million pets. I have I studied environmental studies and sustainable development at uni. I've got like my house is a menagerie. I mean, the current count is like one fiance, one dog, one dragon, one snake, one frog, and one <laughs> giant African land snail. 
So I love that description. That's right. <laughs> always include the fiance in the menagerie, you know, <laughs> one of my furry oh. friends. <laughs> but I think that like my mind and spirit can meet happily in the world of nature. And this is where the elements come in. So today I wanted to cover elements and the elementals. Ooh. Are you excited about it? I am really, really interested in it because like you, Dee, I am really grounded in nature and the world around us. And for me, that is spirituality as yourself. So yeah, yeah. oh, go on, go for it. I'd love to hear Exactly. And like, can't help but go for just a simple walk in the park and feel the magic of the earth and the universe, right? Yes. So it felt like a good place for me to sort of do a bit of a deep dive. And especially with you, because I know that you also love this side of spirituality. So some of it will be already known to you. Like we have four basic elements and this is in certain cultures and I'll talk a bit more, but actually other cultures divide up the elements very differently. So I will talk about that later, but the ones that we are familiar here in Western culture, the four fundamental blocks of matter are earth, air, fire, and water. And for example, it was actually the the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, it always goes back to them in some way, shape, or form. But they actually were the first recorded instance of them proposing five basic elements, which with one of them being spirit or ether. But this theory pops up in many different cultures through, throughout history. There are some religions, for example, Wicca, that view the elements as equal. But there are other Western theories, Western occult theories, that view them as hierarchical, meaning spirit is the, the top one followed by fire, air, water, earth. Really? And does this relate to the star signs then? So if you're one of those star signs, those are also ranked. Yeah, so I quite like that as a fire sign, as um, you know, Aries. <laughs> and moon sign is uh, Aquarius, so air. I love that. But I'm not sure if I believe it. I prefer them being considered equal, me personally. Me too. I agree. So I've got some diagrams and I'm going to hold them up for you. Okay. This is a diagram by uh, the awesome Catherine Bayer. And I love it because it shows the qualities that each element shares and how they're related to each other. So I'll go into it a little bit more. Each element, such as water, has two qualities, moist and cold. Earth is cold and dry. Fire is dry and warm. And air is moist and warm. So each element shares one quality with another element, the one to either side of it. For example, fire is dry and warm and earth is dry and cold. But also the elements directly opposite each other do not share any qualities. And so they're also divided along feminine and masculine qualities. So fire and air are masculine and water and earth are considered feminine. So the male qualities are light and active, and the female qualities are thought to be the dark and passive, which I thought was quite harsh, but okay, (laughs) we'll go with it for now. (laughs) Yeah, a bit harsh, that one. (laughs) All right. And also, do you know, you know how the elements are often represented, like in the diagram I just showed, the little triangles with some of them having lines through them? Well, the male element, fire and air, have the triangle pointing up towards the light. And the female ones, Ah. water and earth, have theirs pointing down to the dark earth. (laughs) So let's talk now about the moist and dry elements. So some of them are moist, water and air, and some of them are dry, fire and earth. And do you like 
the word moist? It's a funny one. And people talk about cake like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's not nice, is it? It's not really that nice. I mean, when you're talking about a moist cake, it is good. Because the elements are on this grid where they actually share one quality with another element, it means that the elements directly opposite each other share no qualities with each other. For example, water and fire, earth and air. The elements are not often presented on that grid that I showed you. We don't often see it like that, but we do often see it in the pentagram with spirit being the fifth element on the top. Which like the one I'm wearing. Yeah, brilliant. This brought me on to what is the difference between a pentagram and a pentacle, which I always have to stop and think about. The pentacle is often thought to be the pentagram in a circle, the circle symbolizing the link between all of these elements. It's only fairly recently, though, in the 19th century, where people started thinking of the upside down pentagram as having a different meaning, i.e. descending into matter, descending into evil. Mm. So it's really a recent thing. It's not often... I mean, it's it's a lot of bullshit, I think. But anyways, I'd agree. We went into a little sidebar here. Um, <laughs> there are some other interpretations of the pentagram in different cultures and different religions. So it's not just in sort of occult or Wiccan pagan beliefs or whatever that it appears. In ancient Judaism, it represented the five books of the Torah. Really? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Right. Did not know that. In the Christian Middle Ages. It represented the five wounds of the cross, the head with the crown of thorns and then stigmata, wow. nails in the hands and the feet. That. The next time you have some Christian telling you that your pentagram is evil, you tell them, oh, actually, I think you'll find that you guys <laughs> like tell. it too, for very morbid reasons, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Ancient Celts used the pentagram to symbolize the goddess Morgan, who represented healing magic, battle, fertility and sexuality. In Chinese tradition, it represents the five phases, which is interesting because it's fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. So they don't use air as one of their elements, and they separate wood from earth. That is interesting because it's more like plant life, isn't it? Including yeah. instead of just the soil. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're a Wicca, you might know about correspondences. So basically when things are linked together... The elements correspond to other things, basically. A correspondence being a collection of items that are all associated with the same goal. There are loads of them. So there's associations between elements, seasons, times of day, moon phases, herbs, crystals, etc. It's like, for example, when we say, oh, it's, you know, new moon in Capricorn. So it's a good time for these crystals or this oils. Those are like correspondence. For the moment, I want to talk about the different elements and I'll raise each of the correspondences when I talk about the elements. Fire. My favorite one. <laughs> I have a lot of fire in my charts. I have a lot, I have a fairly decent balance of all the elements in my birth chart. Did you have a look at yours? I did have a look and I printed it out, but I've got to say, Dee, I didn't completely understand. I could do with like a chat about understanding the information. But yes, and I, I read through and I, I didn't quite know how everything went together. Oh, well, you know, you're a lunar planner. Yes. In the beginning, there's a bit for analyzing your birth chart. Brilliant. I shall refer back. Yeah, where you put in your signs for each of the planets, and then you will it will help you work out whether you've got what elements you've got in balance or out of balance, and same right. with the masculine, feminine, and the modality. Lunar planets for sale on the website. 
I used to be really confused by fire, by the element of fire, because most of the descriptive words about this element seemed like kind of negative, like destroyer, etc. And like I related yes. to that. I like the chaos of it, but I didn't understand like why are all the others so positive, like grounding earth and you know, communication air, and then fire's like destructive and and that's it. But actually now I understand it more as like the transformer. So it's purifying, it's strong and it's active. And sometimes you have to destroy things to rebuild them in a better way. Um, I think I understood that far more after my divorce. (laughs) Where, you know, you've gone through something similar, haven't you? Like you feel like your whole life has just fallen apart. You can do, can't you? But sometimes you need the change, like you were saying, to move on. Sometimes it it requires it, doesn't it? It's the catalyst to think, right, okay, well, what do I want? How am I going to rebuild this, but better, right? Yeah. So now I get that side of fire a lot more. As (laughs) Sometimes we just need to burn everything to the ground and start again (laughs) in order to make things better, basically. So as I mentioned, it's warm and dry. It's masculine. And some of the correspondences is it's linked to the south. So quite often you see the elements on a compass point. And fire is linked to south, linked to Aries, Leo and Sagittarius. They're all fire signs. Not surprising then that it's linked to the summer and to noon. So it's the the hottest part of the day, the hottest part of the year, and that it's led by the sun and also the full moon, which is my favorite. And that's the time when things can really get powerful, can't they? Exactly. So very active, very passionate, very hot, fiery, you know. So if we're moving on to air, air is linked to intelligence, creativity, beginnings, communication. Because see, there's initially sound much more positive than like the fire ones but we've covered that fire is very positive (laughs) it's very active it's a masculine sign it's warm and moist (laughs) and you find it east on the compass so like if you're calling a circle you know casting the corners you'll quite often call to air in the east um it's linked to the planet jupiter uh the zodiac signs of gemini libra and aquarius And again, not surprising, it's the spring and the time of day is the morning sunrise. So it's the element of new beginning, the new, the start of the year, the start of the day. So you can start seeing how everything's kind of linking together, right? Like breathing life into it. So you're talking about the beginning. Exactly. So then we move on to water, which is your sun sign. Cancer is a water sign. So you won't be surprised to hear that this is the element associated with emotion and the unconscious. I've put in my notes, beware full moons if you're a water sign. Yeah, that's what I meant about powerful. Yeah, I always find if I'm feeling, you know, emotionally overwrought, sometimes it hasn't occurred to me. And then I realize the moon is full. (laughs) Two things that always catch me unaware. Yeah, the full moon and PMS, you know, and you get your period and you're like, oh, that explains it. It's the same thing when I'm like, oh, it's a full moon. That explains it. There you go. And sometimes they collide, don't they? <laughs> yes. For a special kind of chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Water is an interesting one because unlike fire and air, it has a physical existence. Yes. You can handle it in a way that you can't handle air and fire. It's cold and moist, feminine, and is represented by West on the compass, guided by Venus. As we said, Cancer is a water sign, but so is Scorpio and Pisces. And the time of the day 
and the time of the year are fall and sunset, which you can kind of see as it sort of going into that kind of dark night, unconscious side of things. And then we have Earth, the fourth element, which I have a special place in my heart for Earth because I think it's really underrated as it's dis- determined by the, um, you know, the, some of the occult theories placing it at the bottom of the chain of hierarchy, which I think is really harsh. It is, yes. I also have like a million Taurus placements in my birth chart. So I think that I'm like largely composed of Earth with just a bit of fire. It represents stability, groundedness, fertility, material comfort potential and stillness, which are all things that like, I think most of us are yearning for, right? That we need. Yeah. Yeah. It's also linked to beginnings and ends, death and rebirth, cold and dry, feminine, linked with the North and the planet Saturn. Its zodiac signs are Taurus, Virgo and Capricorn. And the season is winter and the time of day is midnight, which again is not surprising because it's linked to death and rebirth beginnings and endings and midnight being, you know, that exact turning point. And then we have the fifth element spirit, which is got less things associated directly to it. But as I mentioned, it can go by several different names. It's sometimes called ether, sometimes called quintessence, which is literally the Latin for fifth element. And it's also called storm and space in some theories, which I quite like storm. Yeah, Yeah. that's interesting. Quite cool, huh? (laughs) You know how like the elements are the triangles? The spirit is often represented by a circle or a spiral. And the spirit is meant to be the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world, that bridge between body and soul. So what has this got to do with anything, right? Why would you work with the elements? Why, how would you incorporate them into your beliefs? Um, It's thought like the chakras, that you want to have all of these elements, including their correspondences, in balance within your being. We are made up of these five elements. Balancing them and having a knowledge of them allows us to achieve health, wisdom, and happiness. Each element is also associated with a different part of the body. Earth being the solid structures such as the bone, the skin, the air, um, the hair, even. Right, okay. Water is things like saliva, urine, semen, blood, sweat. Wonderful. (laughs) Fire is hunger, thirst, sleep, the kinetic energy in our body. And air is the movement and the breath. So if our elements in our body are out of whack, it affects our ability to achieve higher awareness and can lead to spiritual and mental illness. And some believe physical illness as well. So how can we use these elements to help purify the body? Well, we might use things like dynamic yoga to invoke the fire element, burning away toxins. The air element could be worked on using breath work. And then there's a few ways that we might use these elements to um, and incorporate them into our spiritual practice. Some of us, for example, me, I like to have these different elements represented in my sacred spaces or my altar. Me too. Yeah, you too. For example, representations of earth on your altar, you might have the altar itself as the base. Um, You might have ceramics, you might have metal, rocks, stones, crystals, a dish of soil or sand or salt, food, flowers, herbs, your cauldron could represent the earth. And then in terms of candles and color work, you might have green, brown or black candles. Representations of air, 
on your altar, your sacred spaces around your house, you might use a wand, feather, wind chimes, a bell, incense, which is what I have, fan, book, book, never thought of a book on my altar, I don't know why, or yellow and white candles. All the correspondences are interesting, aren't right? they? Also, anything related to angels or like a diffuser, essential oil diffuser. Yeah. Uh, representations of fire are any kind of flame, matches, spicy food. <laughs> Chilies. I've never really used food on my altar. What about you? Not food as in that I would eat, but yeah, um, things like um, nuts and seeds and leaves and things from outside, certainly, if that, if yeah. that sort of counts, but not not food itself no I have to admit I've never had a takeaway and thought oh I'll just save some of this for my altar (laughs) yeah no I've not done that nothing wrong with it I've just never done it (laughs) (laughs) more representations of fire a phallus incense again incense being a nice one because it actually combines in my mind it combines quite a few of the elements because you've got the air you've got the fire you've got the element of earth you know so it's quite a nice one red orange and gold candles and also dragons oh I like that I do like that so representations of water uh chalices cups goblets beverages crystal ball rainwater or moon water or holy water or blue candles you might find that you've intuitively picked different things of these I mean you might not even think you have an altar or sacred space and realize oh no actually I do because I've made this little yes you know this little place on my bookshelf or my bedside table most people have some kind of place even if they don't realize it even if they're not religious or spiritual we we do do that generally as humans don't we, yeah. we gather we gather things together in um that in importance don't we and we put them near ourselves like you said on the on the bedside yeah table. your Anything. mementos your gifts yeah. your ornaments there will be a way you've displayed them together or around the house or where you can see them at specific times I think that's all to me what an altar is it's not a specific place it's it's an intentional thing that you've done you place those things together to give you a certain feeling yeah to give you a certain feeling you might not even know why but you've put them together and yeah. that's and that's the intention isn't it exactly not surprisingly there's certain crystals and oils for each element earth is a lot of the sort of darker crystals. So black tourmaline, hematite, bloodstone, red jasper, obsidian, ruby, and smoky quartz. I love smoky quartz. That's my favorite. And I'm not an earth sign. Maybe you don't have very much earth in your birth chart. And that's why you're called to have more, you know, to to use it to help balance you. Yeah. And when I've looked it up, Dee, I shall let you know then. Yeah. I can't wait to hear about your birth chart. Fire, not surprisingly, a lot of the reds and the oranges. So carnelian, citrine, fire agate, malachite, golden topaz, sunstone, tiger's eye, and um, a lot of the calcites. Water signs, it's a lot of the red, uh, the yellow. No, it's not. It's none of those. It's a lot of the greeny blue ones like Larimar, Amazonite, Chrysoprase, Emerald, Blue Lace Agate. But then it's also got some weird ones like rose quartz in there. And also all of the tourmalines except for the black one. And then air, wind, um, it's again not surprising. It's a lot of the blue ones with some purpley ones thrown in there. But we've got amethyst, lapis lazuli, sugar light, 
iolite, fluorite, selenite, apatite, moonstone, one of my favorites, selenite and moonstone, yeah. um, sodalite, celestite, and azurite. So if you are working on any of your um, elements and balancing them in your body, you might choose some of these crystals based on that. The oils, another fun one. So water, the essential oils or aromas. We always call them aromas because like you can use them as essential oil form. That's really easy. But you might also use them as like, you might have a bouquet of them in, in your house with fresh flowers or use the dried herbs or use toiletries like a bath bomb with them or like have a herbal tea. There's loads of different ways you can inco incorporate these into your spiritual practice in your life. Water, jasmine, chamomile, lemon, sandalwood, bergamot. Mm. That was really, you know, nice. You might have a bath with them. You might diffuse them while doing some meditation. Fire is a geranium, orange, black pepper, cinnamon, and basil. And basil, I said it the American way. I don't know why. You can see they, they all do have a bit of a kick to them, don't they? They do. Those are strong. Yes. And it's recommended that those ones, you diffuse them in the morning or use them, incorporate them in the morning. So probably to like jumpstart your day, right? Earth, we've got cedarwood, geranium, rosewood, juniper, and they are great for making a grounding massage oil, which I love. I love the thought of that. Very easy to mix them with some sort of carrier, blending oil, sweet almond or coconut, fractionated coconut, whatever you like to use. But it's not recommended to put essential oils directly on your skin, most of them. So mix them with a carrier base and then you've got yourself a lovely grounding massage oil. Mm, sounds nice. Right. And then air is uh, rose, frankincense, myrrh, yarrow, clary sage. Clary sage is one of my favorites at the moment. A recommended practice for some of the air essential oils is to use them for a steam inhalation. Then did you know, you probably did, that each of the tarot suits has an element that it's associated with. Right. I do know cups is water. Yep. When you think of the past correspondences that we talked about, again, they make sense when you link them all together. They do. Right? They do. So wands is thought of as being associated with the fire element because wands are associated with action, inspiration, drive, willpower, passion, and ambition, which is very much fire signs, very much fire element. Cups are linked, as you said, to water because they are thought to be about emotions, feelings, intuition, relationships, which again is very much associated with water elements and water signs. Swords are linked to air because the swords are all about logic, ideas, intellect, communication. And pentacles, sometimes known as coins, is linked to earth because it's very much about nature, body, the material world and stability, just like earth and the earth element. If you're into tarot and you're doing your readings, it's always worthwhile, especially if you do a multi-card spread, more than sort of five cards, to see if you've got, a, if there's like a huge amount of one suit popping up, or similarly, if there's none of a suit coming up, do you need to work on your elements, balancing your elements? You can see how it's all kind of tying in together, isn't it? It does, yeah. So that's like a little bit of a background on elements, but then I wanted to move on to elementals. Right. And now I don't know so much about this. Yeah. So this is the point where I like, I kind of get lost a little bit, find it fascinating, but I do think they're super cute. <laughs> <laughs> a 
Like I love the ideas behind them. Same as like fairies and the deities. I love the stories. I love learning about them. I don't know where I stand on where my belief lies. And they're not really something I incorporate into my practice. But everyone's different, right? Everyone's different. And I I don't know enough about this. So I'm really looking forward to learning, Dee. So I don't use them, but I think about elementals all the time, all the time, because I think they're just so cute. So (laughs) according to our University of Wikipedia, elementals are mythical creatures linked to one of the elements. Ah, like dragons with fire. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So this goes back again to the ancient Greeks, although we found very similar concepts in a lot of folklore that predate ancient Greeks. but. Like with anything, probably because there's more written records, you know, from this time period, they kind of solidified and formalized these different beliefs. In the 1500s, Periclesis used the idea of the four elements, as well as popular pre-existing names of different creatures, to present a new idea on the way to think about things. So according to Periclesis, elementals are not so much spirits, but beings that are between the creatures and spirits. So they're in between the worlds. Like fairies. Like fairies, yes. So they're generally thought to be invisible to mankind, but they do have a physical and commonly humanoid body, and they eat, sleep, and wear clothes like humans. Nowadays, these elementals are used in spiritual practice to evoke the elements. So let me tell you some of these. For example, a gnome is a being of the earth. An undine is a being of water. A sylph is a being of air. And a salamander is a being of fire. So if you wanted to work with balancing your your earth elements, you might be working with gnomes and calling on the gnomes. So for earth, as I said, the elemental is a gnome. And they are thought to be found in caves and fields and gardens. They are benevolent and connected with soil, roots, and Earth, surprise, surprise. They're normally depicted as small humans, and they can be interchangeable with dwarves, brownies, and so forth. They're thought to be very hardworking creatures, such as the seven dwarves. And you would call on these elementals in your practice if you needed more grounding or you needed to connect to your roots. So in order to work with the earth elementals and to balance your earth element, you might go outside or you might go into nature, into a forest or cave. You might use crystals and rocks in your practice. So again, I think this is something that we, you and I, intuitively do. We work very much with this element, I think, like with our yes. crystals and so forth. But I see like the gnome as like just the personification of that, not necessarily yeah. a real thing, but just the personification of, of your intention again, I think. Exactly. That's how I but, would understand it. Yes. So, But there are people that believe that these are real entities i think that's where i lie that i see it as a kind of symbol yes me too i would actually believing that gnomes exist but again i'm open and i don't know very much let alone everything so so the fire elemental is a salamander now this isn't like the little lizards that exist in ponds and so forth but kind of so they kind of look like them but it's a different different to them it's like a mythical version of them They are found in fireplaces, hot springs, and campfires. So they thrive in fire. They symbolize passion, energy, and transformation. 
and they are often interchangeable with fire-breathing dragons. Oh, yes. Cute. Yeah. So salamanders can be used in your spiritual practice if you're just kind of feeling meh, you know, when you need a spark or a jump start. And to go, I like this, maybe it's a fire sign in me, but to work with this elemental, you've got to go somewhere hot. So like go on holiday. <laughs> I like that. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I've got to work with my fire elemental. So I'm just heading to the Maldives for a while. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if that's not possible, which most of the time it's not, um, you could try sitting in fire in front of a fireplace or a bonfire or lighting a candle or incense or burning essential oils. The air elemental is a sylph. They are found in mountains, open plains, places of travel. And they are closely related, you'll like this, to fairies and angels. We have past episodes in this podcast um, on angels and one with Michelle who told me all about fairies. They're often depicted with wings, although they don't need their wings to fly. They're like purely decorative. (laughs) They're associated with music, bells, and wind instruments in particular. You might call on the sylphs if you're struggling to move forward or you have creative blocks. Because remember, air is all about creativity and communication and and so forth. Moving things on. Yeah. So you might head to the hilltops or you might just go for a simple walk. Get yourself out in the fresh air, literally. You might use feathers, fallen leaves, a bell or smoke from incense to help connect with this elemental and this element. So the water, water elemental is the undine. I hope I'm saying these words right. I might be saying them completely wrong. They are found, surprise, surprise, in water. (laughs) They're associated with things like mermaids, nymphs, sirens. Unlike mermaids and sirens, though, undines are completely benevolent. They're not mischievous little fuckers. Because, I mean, the real mermaids are evil. Shocking and siren. Oh, yeah. Have you read the original Little Mermaid story? I've heard about it and I've read about it, but I haven't read the actual text. But yeah, I, I think mermaids, are, they change, don't they? Yeah. And like sirens are obviously trying to lead the sailors to their death and so forth. So um, just the summary of the real Little Mermaid story. The Little Mermaid sacrifices being a mermaid to become a human because she loves a prince. So, so far, so Disney, right? But he marries a princess instead of her and breaks her heart. Her sisters come up to the surface with a dagger from the sea witch. If she kills the prince and sacrifices her own hair, she will become a mermaid again. She can't do it, so instead she throws herself into the ocean. She doesn't die, though. She becomes foam, and she becomes an ethereal earthbound spirit, which is fucking dark. (laughs) It's a bit strange, actually, isn't it? Yeah. So anyways, undines are not like that. They're lovely and they represent cleansing, healing, nurturing. And what do they look like? Very similar to how you imagine a like nymph, a little sea nymph or a river nymph. You would call on the undines in your practice if you need to start anew. You could do with a good cleanse, kind of like a baptism. Water is thought of as a cleansing source in many religions and many cultures. And what you could do, for example, is head to a body of water Or take a bath or shower or use a cauldron or a chalice or a cup, river pebbles, for example, on your altar. This is a really good practice for healing yourself of past negative energy, literally washing it away. And they always recommend when you work with your elementals to thank them afterwards and let them go on their merry way. 
Oh, that's really sweet, actually. I like that. I like the cuteness of the elemental. I know. Super cute, isn't it? I can imagine you drawing the elementals. If you ever do any doodles of elementals, please do share it with me. (laughs) There are definitely things that we're familiar with, even if I've used names that you might not recognize. But like we know about sirens and sea nymphs and so forth. We know about gnomes and dwarves and fairies and angels. Pericleses, he used mythical creatures that were already out there and just sort of associated them with their different elements based on what their characteristics were, where they were found and so forth. And yeah, there's a school of belief that thinks of them as a sort of representation, a symbol, you know, like a kind of Aesop's fable to help understand the different elements. And then there are others that believe they literally exist in the spiritual slash physical world. I love the imagery, the stories, Yes. The cutesy creepiness of some of them, you know, like I like yeah. the dark fairy tales and stuff. So for me, I love the mermaid sirens sh- shit, you know. Yeah. Do you think you're going to be working with elementals in the future? I'm not sure in a literal sense, Dee, but definitely I will have that in mind. And actually what makes more sense to me now is when you see like ornaments in people's gardens, the gnomes, and without realising it, people are actually choosing that imagery to, to place in their home, aren't they? So Garden gnomes. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I find that really fascinating. So I wonder how many people who've got gnomes actually know that they're, they are the elementals. It's so funny because it's, it's like with uh, gemstones and jewellery and so forth. So many people are like, oh, I'm not into that woo-woo stuff, but actually they've incorporated different practices. Yeah. They'll have their favourite turquoise necklace for luck. They'll have their garden gnomes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing some elemental doodles from you (laughs) because I I bet they're going to be super cute. Yeah, we're going to see you next week. Thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Oh, you're most welcome. That was lovely, Dee. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) We Know the Moon is the official podcast for the Goddess Temple Twickenham. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. You can also visit our website, weanethemoon.co.uk, for all of our upcoming events and merch. If you sign up for any amount on our Patreon, you'll be able to watch our video recordings of our podcast from Season 4 onwards. With all the raw bits, that usually means more swearing. Thanks for listening!